family, I'm so happy to announce the launch of my brand new premium podcast. It's called Ideas That Matter Plus. This is an exciting new development that we've been working on for some time. This after seeing a lot of you request coming through saying thank you for what we've done and wanting more. Ideas That Matter Plus is a more targeted podcast that focuses on business strategies and more high-level thinking to help highly ambitious entrepreneurs, SMEs, business owners and founders, even the CEOs of big business. It only costs 450 Rand per month and will be coming in, but I mean coming in hot. So, subscribe now to Ideas That Matter Plus, now available on Spotify or Apple Podcast Store. Sayonara. Hello, family, and welcome to the VT Podcast. And here we talk about ideas that matter. About three years ago, I was on tour in Europe. And one of my favorite places to go to was the country that is also the city that is Luxembourg. And I spoke at the main, the main uh, auditorium and hall in Luxembourg to an audience of about 1,500 people. And for those of you who don't know, Luxembourg is actually famous for being um, a big part of the financial services ecosystem. And my entire keynote was titled The Future of Finance, Where the World Was Going. Three years ago, the idea of wearable bank accounts, the idea that you can have a wearable device that has access to your bank account was revolutionary, it was changing. Today, there are parts of the world, Luxembourg included, Liechtenstein and others, that are already actually doing this. And that's the speed at which innovation moves. It moves really, really quickly. Joining me today is Hamish Houston, who's the regional president uh, for Network International. They're a payment platform that, I mean, I, I, Hermish, I know about Network because I know about some of the exposure to the business in the UAE, the Jordan business, etc. But you are actually the regional president for Southern Africa, or is it South Africa, and you look after the business here. So everybody, welcome Hamish. Hamish, how's it? Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your show. Good man. So before we get into it, tell us just a little bit about, you know, Network International and what you guys do there. Yeah, I mean, as, essentially, we do some of the rather uh, unexciting um, sort of payments plumbing in the background for, for banks um, in the Middle East and Africa. We've got about 220 odd bank clients that we sit uh, behind and essentially, um, you know, to, from a consumer perspective, we should be invisible. Um, but we really just provide some of that niche payments plumbing for banks um, because it lends itself well to uh, economies of scale and economies of capability. So um, it's, it's, it's an industry that's uh, obviously fast changing, as you mentioned, um, yeah. but also relatively standardized. Let's talk a little bit about, I want to just take the theme back and talk a little bit about, you know, high level. Where is the industry today? What are the mega trends that you're seeing that are affecting not only finance, but I want to get to more particular and talk about banking. Yeah, well, that's a, we could spend a few hours on this, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the mega trends, uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it depends very much on the markets in which you're operating. Um, so if I, if I just narrow down specifically on on the 54 markets of Africa, you know, there's um, cash is still king. So there's a lot of talk about disrupting cash and essentially, um, you know, digitizing or electronifying the transactions. Um, and there's a number of reasons why that makes sense. Obviously, for governments, it's, it's easy to track and, and tax 
Um, but um, inclusion in the financial system and then enables people to access credit. Um, and you know, there's a direct correlation between the digitization of payments in countries and GDP growth. So it is generally a, a very, very good thing. Um, mm. That's the one secular trend. Then the, the other thing is, you know, it, it's the leapfrog towards mobile has been right. dramatic. Um, and that's where I guess when a, many of the legacy banks or traditional big incumbent banks um, are at risk of disruption from more nimble fintechs is that, you know, that they, the assets that used to be beneficial to a bank in terms of um, their reach to customers in branches and the number of people Absolutely. that they had servicing their customers is now more of a hindrance than anything. Hmm. It's interesting that, right? And I just want to double click on that, this idea. I mean, I always say to, you know, uh, entrepreneurs that I mentor, um, that products don't win business wars, distribution does. So you can have an okay product, but if you've got phenomenal distribution, you'll do better than the guy who's got a much better product and no distribution at all. Because at the end of the day, it is about your ability to get the product in the customer's hands. It's about your ability to get the customer to use that product or platform. Now, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, say, you really thought about a retail distribution infrastructure as a strong part of your asset base. You thought about how do you sell product? How do you sell advisory platforms? How do you sell investment products? It was all about your ability to have a retail distribution platform. And this little device we all carry in our pockets that has more computing power than NASA had when they sent the first man to the moon has fundamentally changed all of that. Are you finding that your banking clients have understood this theme and that they're moving a, a, you know, in, in a consistent manner with it? I mean, if I think about the number of banks who've closed down in the US just off the back of the digitization of banking, I'm not sure that we in South Africa have caught on to that. What would you say to that? I think most, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely understood by bankers. I think the approach and um, in, in both uh, taking advantage of the opportunity and mitigating for the risks is very different in institutions. Um, and it is far easier for a fintech, you know, digital bank like a time bank or one of the other ones to move quickly when they're not encumbered by legacy. Um, but I, I think people recognize that mobile is the future. Um, and it's not a, a, a branch environment. Um, but at the other you know, key component of that is how they execute on that. The technology itself is ubiquitous. I mean, anyone can, can access the technology, but it's essentially how quickly they can adapt to that change and deploy it into the market. And, you know, the larger banks have larger integrations, uh, larger legacy as well, obviously. Um, and it's a difficult place to be in when you're, when you're in such a regulated industry as well. About five years ago, I was invited by the CIO of one of the large banks in South Africa, literally one of the top two banks. And he was having a conference for his entire team. So these are all the geeks and techies in, in their campus, right? And I show up and it's a hall of, it must have been over 1,000 people. And in my mind, I went, what on earth? You know, there are consulting firms whose core business is technology that don't have a thousand people. And these are the people who, whose job it is is to enable the, you know, the technology aspect of the bank. And he's got over a thousand of them. And the first thought that started going through my head was around just management, trying to manage this number of people. How many projects must he have on the go? How many platforms must he be launching at a point in time? He's got to do not only innovation, which is front end offensive, but also risk management, which is defense, right? Then at the top of that, he's also got to do new product launches. He's got to, I mean, it must be. And I thought to myself, I cannot begin to imagine what this guy's management dashboard has got to look like. And that was five years ago. 
And then, thrown into the mix of all of this, was the fintechs, who came with fintech platforms and payment platforms and payment gateways and mobile money and intercompany intercompany transfers and intracountry transfers. And I thought, what on earth? I can't begin to imagine what goes into the mind of some of these leaders that are running these really, really complex technology businesses within a banking business. And I want to have that discussion a little bit with you. I'm watching this discussion now and understanding a little bit about banking. And I'm the business leader in a bank whose job it is is to ensure that the bank is technology frontier. What are the top three things you think you think I should be considering to make sure that we're, we're ahead of the curve in terms of innovation in our space? Yeah, just to add some context, I think one of the, 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 the threats to those institutions is exactly that, around the complexity of their existing environments. And that's why, um, you know, that, that old line about there's only two ways to make money in business. You can, you can bundle things together or you can unbundle them. And, and banking <laughs> has been ripe for this disruption through unbundling. And it started, you know, 25 years ago with the sort of what we used to call the monoline credit card providers. Um, in the US and the UK, who you could get you could get a credit card and they weren't really a bank themselves. Um, and then more recently, things like peer-to-peer lending with the Zopas and, and similar in the world, where you don't have to go to a bank, just these fintechs who are chipping away at sort of components of bank products. And I think that's the very important thing is that um, the reason that some of these institutions are able to be more nimble is because they are not trying to be all things to all people. Um, and, you know, the, one of the, so the, to answer your question, I guess the first thing I would suggest is, you know, how, how, how high up in your strategic priorities as a bank is partnerships? Or do you want to do it all and, you know, yourselves, or are you going to focus on the core aspects of, of, of being a bank? Um, the second one is obviously security. I mean, uh, it's just... It, it, it is a hygiene factor around you know risk management but it's it's also um, a differentiator from a consumer perspective um there are, there remain systemic risks in in the banking sector there i mean and i'm not mean from an economic perspective but from a technology perspective to the consumer um and and that that's you know that worries me as a as a as a consumer of, of financial services myself I mean, you would have seen, just as a side note, that one of the large uh, crypto operators in the US was on Bloomberg today, actually hired the hacker who broke into their systems and stole $600 million. You know, so often we talk about this idea of security, but I think when you're in financial services, where you're where you're the backbone of how people manage, move, and invest their capital, you better believe that that's gonna be, you know, one of the top priorities for you guys. Talk to me a little bit about fintechs. I mean, it's, it's you know, today it's it goes without saying, right? If you want the quickest route to a unicorn in, in Africa today is to launch a fintech platform, have some sort of payment gateway that allows either SMEs or consumers to transact, buy, sell, move product around, et cetera, et cetera, right? I'm not seeing quite the same fervor of activity happening in, I don't know, global logistics, say, but certainly it seems like fintech is where everybody has honed their attention. That must be for one of two reasons. One is the space is ripe for disruption, and two is the incumbents are slow to move. But there is a consideration we need to make here, which is regulation. You can't just create a payment gateway. You can't just create a fintech platform. There are regulatory um, uh, you know, prescripts that you've got to consider as you're making these discussions. What, you know, in, in your mind, what are you seeing here? And, 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 and where should the banks be thinking and moving in terms of making those discussions and decisions for themselves. 
So I think you're spot on. I mean, one of the one of the you know the the, the global leading lights from a fintech and 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 payments disruption is is the Impesa example in East Africa. Yeah. And that just yeah. happens. That just occurred in a, in complete regulatory void. And as a result, you know, other countries uh, when they saw the success, kind of put the dampers on the opportunity yeah. in their local markets. Yeah. Um, but from a consumer um, use case perspective, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, you now have the entire population financially included in the sense that they can transact. Um, and then fintechs providing financial services products on top of that layer. So now that you're included, uh, and I mean, not just financially included, but also digitally included, um, right. you can access credit markets through fintechs. I think the big thing is that um, you're absolutely right. I mean, if it only it was so easy to launch a, a unicorn um, in Africa, I'd, you know, I'd give up the day job. Um, but you know, I think a lot of these opportunities are where we've seen successful businesses like the Flutterwaves and the Paystacks and DPO and a few others is really just servicing those sectors of the of the market where banks have been traditionally not disinterested but they've been focused away from that so there's often a you know that, that old line about the fortune at the bottom of the pyramid um, but particularly in the e-commerce space i don't think many african banks outside of south africa have taken e-commerce particularly seriously and as a result it's created an opportunity for these gateway providers and niche service providers to to you know to, to flourish um and you know, with with the massive boost of um of COVID in terms of, you know, the, the push for digitization, it's been a huge boon for these companies as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, uh, um, I was in Kenya six years ago and um, I remember talking to the executive team at the team at uh, Safaricom and uh, old Bob, who, you know, God rest his soul, was CEO at the time and talking and and i remember they took me to their to their they've got this room it's called a situation room literally called a situation room right and which i suppose is better than the war room and they've got they've got about 16 screens in this room and all it is is just live data um massive dashboards that show you transactions volumes margins regions activity and i looked at this and thought this is fantastic and then they looked at me and said all of this is financial data right and they said to me, and we have, by the way, access to financial data on movement of cash in the ecosystem live in the moment when many banks don't. He said to me, for many of our, for many banks to have this kind of data, they would have to call a meeting and a conference and ask somebody to print the reports. And by the time the meeting happens and they're studying the reports, the data has changed, right? And so, you, you know, your comment about real life, uh, uh, real time, accurate data when you are the person who's the business leader making decisions about where do we need to go next? Where do we need to invest? What kind of innovations do we need to be looking at? Macro picture, what's happening in the ecosystem? Micro, what does my customer need? And meso in the middle, how do we frame and build a value proposition for our customers? Finally, I just want to get a sense from you. I mean, you're in South Africa, you're talking to the banks, I imagine. And you're talking to them about how do we help you go to market, become more nimble, more agile? How do we help you rethink, reframe, rewire, and maybe even reintegrate some of your plumbing so that you're part of this technology innovation that's happening? Just, you know, side joke. But I remember seven years ago, banks thought digitalized with respect, and I say banks broadly, but there were some executives in banks who thought that digitalization meant building an app. It's like, no, 
(laughs) That's the the front-end interface. There are a whole host of other things that go into it. And I think if there's one thing we see from what's happening globally is that today, actually, the world's emerging banking brands are consumer brands. So you've got Google thinking of themselves as a banking brand. You've got Apple thinking of themselves as an Apple brand. Under Armour has made a, dis, you know, made a disclosure recently about them wanting to go into... I mean, Harley Davidson is thinking about themselves as a banking brand. So I suppose the question I want to ask you, and just a final note is, in your discussions that you're having with some of, I imagine, what would be either your current or future clients, what are you finding? Are they curious? Are they wanting to take action? You know, regulation is regulation is regulation. One of the interesting things about regulation is you can only regulate what's there. That's the great thing about regulation is that if you're innovative in your frontier, regulation is something that's always going to be catching up to you, right? Are you finding that they are thinking outside the box? And what would you say to them, those who are, you know, marginal and are still considering what to do next? Yeah, I think it goes back to the point that I made earlier about uh, about partnerships. And, and clearly, I'm you know, I'm singing to my own hymn sheet here about what we do for a living. But um, you know, in a, in a world where there is so much and so much complexity, and I mean that you know, in, in a payments world, there was really only three um, those traditional sort of bank to bank transfers, and then there was a Visa and Mastercard game for a card yeah. rail. Now we've got yeah. QR codes. We've got you know the P2P transfers, we've got the real-time payments that we talked about, we've got mobile money in all its different flavors. Um, you know, the, the the variety of payment options is now becoming so extreme that it's very difficult for one organization to do it all unless mm. that is your core focus. Even you know, even mm. as a payments company ourselves, we rely heavily on, on, on partners. And really mm. that's the pitch, is that you know a bank um, should focus on its core business and enable um, partnerships to execute uh, in the innovation space and 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 some of the root technology, that's you know, that's our that's the reason we exist as an organization. Final final, I mean, you know, I, I love the comment you've made around uh, the the various pillars that now make up the entire banking ecosystem, right? I was watching uh, the results presentation from one of the large telcos um, in in South Africa. You know the guys with the yellow branding, and I looked at their their. Um, revenue model the revenue lines and i looked at how much money was coming from mobile money and i thought it's incredible that they're not talking in the billions about what they call momo in that business and it's less than a decade old i mean if you think about the amount of shareholder value they've been able to create by thinking of themselves not only as a telecommunications company but again as a company that has distribution and has the ability to sell anything and now what they're saying is we're partnering with insurance houses and we're taking insurance products to the, to the handsets of our customers across the continent. They've already Absolutely. got distribution, they've got the rail, they've got the pipeline, and they've got the balance sheet to capitalize on all of this. So if you're sitting back and you're, you know, operating in financial services and you're still thinking about those traditional models, it's, it's incredible the convergence for me. The other thing I noticed just over a month ago is their competitor, the guys with the red dot, partnered with a company that does short-term funding, business funding, small business loans on their platform. So now if you're a customer of theirs on their business side, they know your data, they know how much you're paying, they know how you're transacting, they can offer you a loan for your business and all you have to do is click a button on the app where you're buying airtime. So just so we're clear, we've gone in a year from buying airtime and data to buying airtime data. Oh, and by the way, I might want to get a 250,000 rand working capital facility for my business. Like it's, and and as all of this happens in my mind, I just go, man, it's incredible to think, where's it going to be in five years from now or 10 years from now? 
And so the final question I wanted to ask you, right, is I want you to think about your crystal ball. And I want you to imagine that you're sitting in a room with 10, or rather, of the top five banks in South Africa, all of the CIOs in those banks, because they all have one now. And throw your, your javelin forward the next five years. Where would you see this ecosystem going? And what would you say they should be thinking about doing? Oh, that's a fantastic question. I mean, it's just going to become more and more complex. I mean, that's that's the that's the truth, um, particularly around. Uh, um, Sorry, therein also lies an opportunity, uh, particularly around, as I said, some of the payment methods, the, the customer use cases. To your point earlier about, you know, it's it's not, you know, being digital is not an app, but everything now has to be integrated in an API, and um, you know, so a consumer may want to use a third-party app but access the services of a bank mm. uh, in the background. Mm. Um, and then the second point I would say is that, you know, some of the traditional business models and, and or, or rather the ways of operating will no longer apply. To your point around you know, granting credit on a, on, a, on a cellular contract, as an example, um, all those alternate data models or credit you know, risk models um, stack up very well against, you know, traditional credit risk models. So, you know, Vusi's phone with his contacts in it and you can see how often you phone them at what time of day and what their relative score is is actually a damn good predictor of Vusi's credit risk yeah. compared to say a traditional credit bureau score um, and so the the ability to integrate these types of new ways of thinking obviously you know the technology around ai and machine learning is, is a component of that the ability to integrate these new ways these new technologies is, is going to be key um, and the challenge there also is that, you know, as we started the conversation, traditionally banks move slowly because they are so large. Um, and that's that's the biggest risk. Love it. Hamish, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. And uh, and I know that you're doing a lot of work in the marketplace. Uh, as soon as we're out of COVID and we're able to do coffees, let you and I get together for a coffee that you're paying for. Gladly. Um, and, 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 and by the way, I mean, you know, Hamish Houston, uh, your, your name is just such a conversation starter, right? And we don't need to get into the Houston element, but tell me a bit about your first name. What, what does it mean and what language is it? Uh, so Hamish is, is, is the Gaelic, the Scottish Gaelic version of James. I thought so. Um, so the, the, you know, I was born in the UK um, to a Scottish father and, and an Afrikaans mother. So the joke I make is that I'm a Scotch on the rocks, really. But um, that's, the, <laughs> that's the origin of Hamish. Yeah. Brilliant. Good man. Thank you so much for the conversation. That was uh, Hamish Houston joining me from Network International. He's the regional president and we were talking about the future of banking. And that's this week's episode of Ideas That Matter on the VT Podcast. Sayonara. Mm -hmm.